The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to our podcast and our live stream devotional. Thank you for joining us this morning as we have been going verse by verse through the book of 1 Peter. If you're following along with us, we are 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4. Greatly appreciate the wonderful privilege we have to be part of your day. And we hope the next few minutes would be an encouragement to you as we unpack and examine different aspects of God's Word. Again, 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to go into verse 4. Again, the verse starts off with saying, To whom coming... Obviously, it's referencing the person that was referenced in the previous verse. And um, in verse 3, it says, This would be tasted that the Lord is gracious. And so we know that this verse is referencing the Lord. So the Lord to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth in him shall not be confounded. So let's look at these first couple of verses. We go back to verse number four. We know he's referencing Jesus, the Lord, and then he references him him as a living stone. Um, Now, and he then later in verse five references us as lively stones. Now you could, if you want to, you could reference the fact he's taking, you know, there's nothing more dead than a stone. He's taking stones, bringing life to it. Um, I would reference the idea better that we would say here that what we're looking at is this building blocks that he's working off. And and so we're going to go through that aspect. So we see he says he is the living stone. He is uh, the one that brings life. He is the foundational premise of all we do. And he says in that verse, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. When he came to earth, he was not accepted of men. And while there were some who followed him, in fact, at one point, there were large crowds who followed him until things got complicated and they weren't going to get what they wanted from him, then they left. And then even at the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was taken away, everybody left except one who walked a short distance. Um, But you can say that when he came, so he came down as the Messiah. This is referenced in the time that Jesus came to earth through the virgin birth, born in Bethlehem as the Messiah, literally fulfilling all kinds of Old Testament prophecies. The men of the day, the spiritual leaders of the day, should have been aware that this was him. Now, and again, there's 400, 400 years difference since 400 years since God has spoken to the people. When you think about that, that's a very long time. How many generations is that? And so you can look back at your previous generations, but now you have to make your own decisions. And they agreed, no, they wanted they were they, they were under Roman oppression. They wanted a king. They wanted some. They wanted to skip all of the prophecy of what's going to happen between his death and his and his reign. They just wanted him to reign and because they wanted biblical prophecy to match what they wanted. They just just got rid of him completely. So he was completely completely disallowed, completely ignored, but he was chosen of God. And then I say he was precious. So no matter what people say in the Old Testament till today, no matter what people say about Jesus, it doesn't really matter if the world accepts him, believes in him or not. If, you know, there's still some in the Jewish world still looking for their Messiah, even though Jesus has already come. And they'll give you a million reasons in their thinking why Jesus cannot be the Messiah. Uh, you can create anything if you want it to. Simple faith, he's fulfilled prophecy, he is the Messiah. But when we look at this, 
He was precious and he was chosen of God. So in today's day and age, while we are not looking for a Jewish Messiah, he's already come, we are looking to him as our Lord and Savior. So we can start by saying he is that living stone. He is the foundation of what we're talking about. Now, let me explain. Later, he talks about calling him the cornerstone. Um, Actually, let's go to verse, verse five and read it. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So let, let's begin to unpack this as he uses some figurative language. Here. He talks about being lively stones and are built up in a spiritual house. Again, we have been given life. You can see that we have been given life, but the premise is talking about the fact that he is the living stone, the cornerstone, and everything else is to line up with him. Now, when you talk about the idea of a cornerstone, what they would do is they would bring this very specific stone out that was designed and created very specifically for the corner of whatever building they're using. And it was what they built everything off of. It needed to be carved in a very specific way because when they started building off of that, everything would be built off of that cornerstone. The whole design, the whole layout would be off that cornerstone. And so that's what he's talking about here. Jesus is the cornerstone. We are the lively stones. He is the, 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 th- the cornerstone. He is what all of our, our church and our homes are to be built off of. And we are the living stones. We are the ones that are supposed to build off of him. Now, really, what we are is we're part of that building block. We are different parts of the stones that build this house. And so he goes on to say that we are lively stones and holy priesthood. Now, how can we be a holy priesthood? If you go to the Old Testament, it's a line of Aaron, right? Levitical priesthood. So how is that possible? One of the things that is unique when you get into the New Testament is that when Jesus, you know, eliminated the veil and gave us access to his presence, he made us all what we call believer priests. When you get saved, there's a lot of things that take place when you get saved. A lot of things that deal with your relationship with Jesus and deal with your, your spiritual state. Uh, but one of them being that you are a believer priest. Now, let me give you the most specific explanation of what I can give you, or the most simplistic that I can give you about the idea of the believer priest. In the Old Testament, the priest had to go in the presence of God and make atonement for the sins of the nation. And so only he could go in the presence of God because of the veil. When God tore down that veil, he now made it available for anybody to go into God's presence. We no longer need to go. We don't need someone else to go in our place. You don't I can't give you any, as a pastor, I can't give you any extra blessing because you come to me and if I pray on your behalf. Now, if you're part of our church, we do pray for you. We pray for God's blessing. We pray for protection and we pray for you and your family. But that that doesn't carry in any extra blessing than if you were to pray those same things. And so that's one of the things we have to see. You can go before, before God. Now, the scripture says, well, we need a priest still. Well, the Bible teaches us that there's one mediator between God and man, between God and us, and that is the man Christ Jesus. So when Jesus died and he paid all the punishment, he went back and put the blood of Jesus, put his blood on the mercy seat, He became the mediator. He became the one that, you know, but you understand, God is still a holy God and we are still sinful people. So if we're to become bold before the throne of grace, we come as sinful, unworthy people and we shouldn't be there. But Jesus, our mediator, is there. And when the accuser points to us and says, this one's filthy, he shouldn't be able to do this, and he's right, Jesus says, listen, I have paid the punishment for him. So God doesn't see me. He doesn't, well, he sees me, but he doesn't see my sin. He sees me through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says without the uh, shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. When his, shed blo- when his blood was shed, he sees me covered by the blood of Jesus through salvation. I become a holy priest. Not then to the Old Testament and not in today's understanding of a priest. 
I, I, it just means I have complete and intimate access to God. I can come to God by myself. I don't need anybody else to go in my stead. And it's great when you have other people going in your stead. Intercessory prayer, you definitely want that. But I'm speaking specifically, you yourself can go to God for confession. You can go to God for salvation. You can go to God for help and encouragement. You can go to God. Please understand, though, if you've never been saved, the only prayer that God is going to hear of you right now is the prayer of salvation. People say, why isn't God listening to me? Well, you think about it. God's going to answer the prayer of his family. And so that he wants you to be part of your family. He wants everybody to be part of his family. And you can do that by calling upon him for salvation. Read Romans 10. It gives you all the explanations you could want and understanding what that means. So he says we are a living stone. No, I'm going to go down to lively stones. Then he says a holy priesthood to offer up spirit. No, actually, I missed one spot. He says we're building up a spiritual house. We are the different pieces of that house. We, God is building his church, his house, with us, with the different living stones. Can I encourage you as he talks about it's supposed to be that spiritual house? There needs to be an intimacy with God, a growth with God, a maturity with God that gives us this aspect where we are developing a spiritual house. That demands a walk with him. That demands intimacy with him. That demands the things in our life that our families need, that other people need, that we would walk with him. You know, Satan wants to bring in carnality. Satan wants to bring in humanism. Satan wants to bring in selfishness. And he says, I want to develop a spiritual house. So he says, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God. We talked about this Sunday morning. That when you walk with God, any time of following of God will require a sacrifice. I mean, from the garden of Adam and Eve not being able to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, through the uh, um, uh, animal sacrifices all the way through the Old Testament, now today of giving of our time and giving of our talents and giving of our treasures. Giving is worship. You cannot worship without having some level of sacrifice. You're sacrificing your time, your comfort, your income, your talents. You are doing that, which is the point. By the way, if you truly love your spouse, you're going to sacrifice time for them, sacrifice money for them, sacrifice emotions for them. You see my point? You, you can't, you're, you're either going to give and love to them or you're going to love yourself. We all do that. It's easy. So he is talking about a sacrifice. And when we give that sacrifice, it's pleasing to God. In our own ability, it's not. But through Jesus, it is. And he's encouraging us as living stones to be spiritual, to recognize our direct connection to him, and then to live a life. He calls it, Romans 12, living sacrifice, a daily submission to Jesus and what he wants for us, and then he can use us greatly. Well, thanks again for joining us on this Wednesday morning as we take a few minutes and look at these verses. Tomorrow, we're going to look at something very intriguing in the aspect of how Jesus can become a stumbling block. And so I hope you join us again tomorrow as we continue studying through the book of First Peter. Thanks again for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.